Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all, and welcome to this, which is our 200th webinar. And I suppose that's got to count for something, that 200 times I've sat here and talked to you of the wonder of God's love. And at the same time, thank all of you who have sent donations that enable us to be here on this 200th broadcast. Thank you, every one of you. And I want to maybe have us look into the mirror of truth and to see who we really are in Christ Jesus. And... I want to take it from a text in the Psalms. Uh, There's more than one. Uh, This is, is something that David repeats, but I'll take this one. Psalm 57. And in Psalm 57, in verse 7, interestingly, when he was being persecuted by his father in law, um, he had fled from Saul, his father-in-law, was hiding in the caves of Adullam down in the wilderness of Judea. His life was threatened 24-7, and there he sings his song. It would seem that he sings his song in the dawn hours, and as the sun rises over the wilderness of Judea, he sings, he tells the Lord of his persecution and all against him, and then he finishes the psalm in verse 7. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. It's anchored. It's locked. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. Awake, my glory, Awake, harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praise to you among the nations. Then in the last verse, Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. Now there's two usages of a word here, and I find it fascinating enough that we spend an hour looking at it. In verse 8, he's addressing himself. He's talking to himself in the presence of the Lord, and he says, Awake my glory. And he is thus addressing his core self in terms of glory. He's talking to his true self, And he is saying, Awake my glory. Then, in the last verse, 
speaking directly to God of God, be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. And the word used for the glory of God and the word that he uses to describe his essential self is the same word. Same word. The glory. Now, in, in, in terms of um, religion, we rarely find any exhortation to address ourselves as glory in the same sense of the glory of God. But there it is. That's the scandal and the shockingness of this gospel. As I say, that it, it, it's calling out to be looked at, this. This word glory, the glory of God, and also the word he uses to address himself, it, it's, it's a big word. That is, it takes a couple of minutes to say what it really means. If you go to its exact sort of original meaning, it means weight, it means heavy, but in the sense that you are heavy, what shall I say, with a certain reputation. You, you are heavy with a life of track record of doing, being a certain kind of person. And, and so we actually use the idea in English when we would speak of a very important person, we say he carries weight around here. Okay, have you ever heard that expression? It's sort of the same idea of this word glory. That they, they carry a certain reputation. There's almost an aura around them. It's the kind of thing that when they walk in the room, everybody stops talking for a second and notices that they've arrived. It's their reputation, their track record of being a certain kind of person and acting in a certain way. Out of this comes another word, worthy. You are worthy. That is, <clears throat> there's this... Uh, track record, this radiance coming from you, and you, you have worth within the universe, within the children of men. It, it's also got the idea of what we would say, uh, or rather the scripture says, name. Uh, a name in the Bible carried with it all that the person was and all that that they promised to be their name. And so from that it comes to mean one's honor, one's dignity, one's splendor, the splendor of person. And that splendor, especially when we're speaking of God and His glory, that reputation, that being of God is so real that the Bible speaks of it as an actual radiance, light, so that in the times in Scripture when persons had a vision of God, uh, do you remember, it always speaks of it in terms of a radiant, uncreated light, and sometimes it speaks of it as that light as it's broken up into all the colors of the rainbow, and always that the, the, 
Okay, the, the love of God is so real, so infinitely, shall I say, solid, substantial, that when one sees visions of God, one sees uncreated light. And that is the meaning behind the pillar of cloud and fire that led the children of Israel through the wilderness. It, it, it was not just like a cloudy day. It, it was that light, that radiance, that, that was alive in front of the people, and so you couldn't see through it. And, and at night, that light was like a flaming fire. Glory, the glory. Um, it also meant um, abundance or wealth, uh, the, the glory of a person. Um, sometimes was spoken of as how wealthy they were. But you see, especially in verse 11, where I'm beginning actually, let your glory, and, and we're speaking of the glory of God, and so the glory of God, put all that I've just said together, it's the being of God. It is his reputation, his track record with us. It is his name that sums up the totality of who he is, his being. The, the being that is described as light, as, as radiance, as shining forth in beauty. It's God, his glory. Well, what, what is the being of God? Let, let's really get down to business here. What is the glory of God? What is this, this goodness? It's goodness. And goodness is that umbrella word that describes the agape love of God. And that agape love in all of its colors, shall I say? Because the agape love of God, you could see that light as what gentleness and kindness and patience and unlimited forgiveness and compassion. You see what I mean? Uh, and, and that yet further into his strength and his power, which is the love power, the love strength. It's his, his glory. Uh, it's his track record. That's his constancy. That is, I am the Lord, I change not. It, it, it means that you, you can rest in this God. He is faithful his love at its very heart is covenant love, which means committed love. A love that says, I love you with the totality of my being, my will, I choose to love you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. And because it's a covenant oath, God is saying, in effect, if I ever ceased to love, there would be no more God and there would be no more universe. It would all descend into nothingness. This is God. Do you remember uh, Moses? Moses had a passion to discover the glory of God. And do you remember when he was on the mountain with God and praying, he says in verse 18 of chapter 33, I pray you, Show me your glory. And the Lord said he would, as far as they could in the Old Testament. He said, I myself 
will make all my goodness pass before you. Now that's fascinating. Moses said, show me your glory. And the Lord said, yes, I will. I'll pass my goodness before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious. I will show compassion. Do you you see what I'm saying? This is God's radiance. This is the light. This is who God is. This is his true being. His glory. That, That love is before time. That is, God didn't start loving when he created the world. Can can you handle this? The glory of God. And of course, the glory of God, when, when we see the being of God, when we look at his reputation in the unfolding of that love in time, space, history, when we see his actions toward us, Essentially, the glory of God just causes our mouth to drop open. I've spent my entire life seeking to share the glory of God with people. And every time I do so, I say, well, next time I'll make it, maybe. Next time, because this time I I fell hopelessly short of it. The the glory of God so, so vast, so infinite. But understand that glory is his unbeginning being. This, this glory of his love was before time, before space, before the clock began to tick. It says that he set his love upon you. Oh, I know. There are some people who believe that God started to love you when you finally got your act together and walked forward in the meeting and said, I believe, and then said, God, okay, I love you. No, before you were born, before there was beginning, it says that he purposed. He purposed, and this is his glory reaching out. This is the light shining. He purposed that in Jesus Christ, Son of God, you would be brought into his Holy Trinity family. He set his love upon you before there was creation, before there was time, space, before mankind had any chance to sin. He had it wrapped up that in Jesus he was going to bring you into his family. That's the glory of God. The whole creation begins in the... In fact, the creation is the glory of God. In the why does God create? There's no need for him to create. Please understand, there's nothing lacking in God that he's now going to create the world to, to fill it. There's no pressure on him. He created out from his sheer love, his glory... So the creation, the fact of existence, not, not only the, the, the fact that you are, but the, that you are here. It, it, it all springs from the very first act of God's grace. Right there, he chose to do this. He chose to create you so that you might be in him and with him forever create you 
create humankind and create humankind so that well, it says that we should bear the image and the likeness of God and not going into that in over detail but there, therein is the secret you see image some people might think of the mirror I look in a mirror and I see my image so we sort of reflect the, the glory of God no no that image in the mirror is a dead thing it reflects me but it has no life of its own that is not another me it, it's, it's a dead lifeless image but this imaging God, God imaged in the human, the only way that could ever happen is that God unites himself with us, permeates our human, so that we might image him, so that he might live in us and we live in him, not that, you see, we, we don't become him. He is God and we're creature. Nor does he get sort of lost inside of us so that we're now a God-human blob. No, he is he and I am me. And yet, it says, he in me and I in him, never losing our distinctiveness and yet he in me glorifies that is he in me his love is seen the glory of God that he loves me but the glory of God in me so that I now reflect and do his love in the earth by the way that's why you are here that's, that's, that's not for an elite group. It is not for a group of monks in a high mountain monastery. This is you in your office. This is you changing diapers. This is you in the store. This is you in the factory. That you should actually be united to the glory of God. And it's all by grace. That is, it's God's initiative, it's God's idea. Isn't it incredible that, that agape, the love of God, the glory of God, wills to share himself with us. And to do so in Jesus. And that the Holy Spirit comes to actually be the person within us who brings to us all that Jesus is and all the Father is and is the strength and the power within us to live that out in life. If you haven't heard any of this before, please don't think that I'm some sort of heretic or fringe person this is the gospel this is the gospel 101 this this is what the whole of, of the bible is talking about and specifically the new testament this this is it in fact this is the wisdom of god the wisdom 
and, and it's delineated uh, as this that is beyond the human to comprehend or beyond the human to actually purchase um, it's worth a read in, in Job and chapter 28 verse 12 he says where can wisdom be found where is the place of understanding he said how do I know how to live this life as God intended me to live where is the wisdom the glory of God in man he said where he says man does not know its value nor is it to be found in the land of the living that is the answer to the question the deep the vast ocean said is not in me and the sea says is not with me pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it you cannot buy this wisdom by which we were created to live you can't buy it with a heap of gold nor can silver be weighed as its price cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir in precious onyx or sapphire gold cut glass cannot equal it he says, bring all the treasures of earth. No, this is beyond all of that. Nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. Though they've been put together, carved by artisan. You can't buy this. Can't exchange for it. Coral, crystal, not to be mentioned. Forget it. The acquisition of wisdom is above the price of pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Then, where then does wisdom come from? Where can I live this life of the glory of God on earth? Where does this wisdom come from? Where is this place of understanding? How can I get this? What can I do to achieve it? It's hidden from the eyes of the living. If you're on your own, you'll never find this. It's concealed from the birds of the sky. Verse 23. God understands its way and he knows its place. And it goes on. He gives us. He's the one. The only way I had the wisdom and the understanding to live as mankind was created to live is in my helplessness as a creature to look only to God, God in the face of Jesus Christ. And there I find the wisdom. There it is. It's no wonder that the Psalms depict human as actually leading the rest of creation in worship. I, I remind our people when we uh, celebrate the Holy Communion that we, as the, these incredible persons who are united with God through Jesus and the glory of God dwells within us, that we lead the rest of creation. And sometimes I have spanned around our ranch and said, we're now leading the chickens, we're leading the birds and the vultures, we're, we're leading the grasshoppers and the llamas and the donkeys, we're leading them in worship, we're giving voice to all creation. And I tell you what it is, 
it's like a picture in a frame, a, a picture of wonder, a picture that makes you double take. And that picture is in a very beautiful frame, for the frame is specifically made for such a picture. But it is, okay, the glory of the picture is giving glory to the frame. The frame in and of itself doesn't have glory, but that it houses that picture makes it unique and special. And so the glory of the picture is shared with the frame. Sin. See, again, and, and we have to do this so often to continually ask what is sin, because um, especially the Western church has so blinded us to the meaning of sin and made it some stupid, frivolous thing. What, what is sin? Sin is a heart matter where Satan tempted humankind to find an independent glory. That is, I will, you shall be as God, said the serpent. That is, you will find glory that is not from him. You shall not have a derived glory. You'll have it in yourself, of yourself. You will have an independent glory, independent of agape love, independent of the light and the radiance of God, you'll have your own glory. Or you could put it this way, get rid of that picture. They're looking at it too much. Be the frame. Find your glory independently of the picture. Find your glory elsewhere. Find your reputation within yourself. Find your honor, your dignity. Find your abundance and your wealth, not in who God is and who God is in you, but find it in yourself. And so, among humans, the word glory began to reflect, essentially, one's wealth. A glory was a rich man, and therefore a rich man, of course a rich man, well he has power, doesn't he? Now, power, well that's like God, isn't it, you see? And, and then men would dress themselves in ornate clothing, woven with gold, trimmed with silver and ermine and so on, to say, I'm important, you see. I, I have glory, and it was all glory in, in, in the... The nature, the cost of the clothes, the cost of the jolly chair I'm sitting on, the, the, the cost of my car, it's my glory. I find it, I, I, I earned it, it's mine, I, I, I am worth this. Let, let people know when they hear my name that they are hearing somebody of importance and weight and worth. Yeah, that's why I read about the wisdom. You see, do we really get it that you can acquire the possessions of the planet? 
You can, you can stand a trillionaire, whatever, and not un- have a clue as to the meaning of life. No, this, this union whereby I can say of myself that the glory of God is united with my core self, that comes from God. And that comes from God who came to us in Jesus. That comes from God who was sent by Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to dwell within us and to expound within us this wonder. Of course, there's the others uh, who who essentially um, despise the possessions and, and, and the status and the money because they say my glory is the law and they turn to the law of God and twist it to be a means of doing enough that I might flaunt it before God and men and say I am better than you that the phrase that Jesus put in the lips of the Pharisee, although I actually quoted the Pharisees on that one, when he said, I thank you, O God, I am not as other men. I'm above them. And then to turn it and despise others because I am better than, and you accept me because I am better. And Paul addresses that in Philippians 3 verse 19 and and he says this this glory that that they bear that that they are keeping the law and they are not like their neighbors he said that's their glory he said the fact is their glory is their shame because if they ever saw themselves in relation to the love of God then they would Melt in shame. No, the the whole mystery of this, and yet it's an open mystery in Jesus, but it's a derived glory. Do, Do you understand what I mean? It's not a glory that originates in us. It's not a glory that we earn. It arises from the love of God, God's glory, that wills, that is intended from before time to give himself to us. And that giving from the Father, giving Jesus the Son, and giving the Holy Spirit, so that God, Father and Son and Holy Spirit now come to dwell within us. And and he did that without us asking for it. He did not do it because we were so good. He did not do it in response to these shame-filled law people. Why why does he do that? Why, Why do I say that to you? Because I can hear you saying, well, I'm not worthy. That's not me he's talking. Yes, I am talking about you because it's got nothing to do with your worthiness. It's nothing to do with your track record. It's not your glory I'm talking about. 
It is. And all I can do is proclaim it. The glory of God is that he wills, he wants to give himself to you. For that reason, Jesus came. And, and, and when we are at our worst in terms of behavior, he still has set his love upon us and designates us as those who are lost from the place that they belong in. And therefore they have worth because before sin came along, you already belong to the Father through Jesus. And so sin was wandering away from that, but when someone who belongs to the family gets lost, then that person's preciousness only shows up the more. The little child in the house is precious to you, but should that child ever be lost, then the preciousness is never realized as much as then. We wandered away, that's sin. We, we went into the wilderness, the starvation country of trying to find meaning to life in ourselves. God, his glory, said, I'm coming into the wilderness to get you. We call that incarnation. That is when God the Son took to himself our flesh, came into our humanity, into our mind, into our emotion, into our core selves, and revealed himself as the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says, the, the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. God's glory came into our world, seeking us to bring us to union. In John chapter 1, Speaking of Jesus, it's speaking of the grace of God that comes in Jesus. And then it says, and we beheld his glory in that human, that real, genuine, authentic human. The glory of God had taken up residence inside human. Huh. Well, just that fact. Does it make sense to you that I say that exalts the human? I mean, the human body is an amazing thing. Anyone that can say this came from a slob of mud by accident, well, no, the human body is incredible. Even the way my thumb works and my fingers, incredible, incredible. But now, add to that, that God took up residence in this. He took up, he had a hand, he had thumbs, fingers. He digested food. He saw through our eyes. God became human. That exalts human above anything we can ever dream or think. When Simeon saw the baby Jesus, he said, here is the glory of Israel. That is, not only he became a man, but he became uh, specifically a Jew. And he says, that is exalted. 
exalted human, exalted Israel, that, that he should... Do, do you understand that? Became one of us. And, and, and that to us is the, the amazing humility of God that he would do that, but it, his humility exalts us. He became one of us. Became our brother. And in that one person, the image of God is restored. The glory of God is fully present in a human. And he, he brings us humans into step with agape, with the love of God, the glory of God. It's called righteousness, in step with God. In fact, in 1 John in chapter 2, when it speaks of the light of God, and we being in that light and that light in us, it equates light with love. It's who you are. Holy Spirit pours out the love of God in our hearts. In the blood that he shed in his resurrection, he unravels sin he unties the knots that held us and he brings us into relationship with the father god and man joined together in jesus and that reality actualized by the holy spirit in this moment in which i speak with you we let me say it again I can almost hear you saying you know that yeah, what, what I'm saying you would think of as an elite no you've been shortchanged. I'm sorry I'd even go as far in some cases to say they lied to you they told you that being a Christian was was what uh, well trying to do your best to be like Jesus, though he's a long way off in time, space, and but do your best. And if you read your Bible and pray every day and go to church every time the doors are open, you stand a pretty good chance. But if not, you can answer the altar call next Sunday and say, I blew it and start all over again. And it will go on like that until you die and then you'll go to heaven. That just seems to be a place... I'm sorry, that's not the gospel. It's a parody of the gospel. The gospel is that from before time, God created, determined to create you for relationship. Sin is about broken relationship. And the story of the Bible through to the incarnation, God becoming flesh, is that God will not let you go. The whole story of the Bible is not about God. It's about God together with us. God refusing to let us go. God pursuing us to the pit of hell, coming into the sewer of our existence and saying, I'm taking you out of here. That's what, it, that's what it's all about. That's the glory of God. And he brings us back into relationship and he says, I am in you and you are in me. It's the way it is. He has set his love on us. It's a covenant setting. 
It won't be put off. won't be refused. will pursue us because we belong to him from the very beginning. He comes and puts the picture back in the frame. And we've found our meaning. We've found, we've found wisdom because that's what wisdom is. We found wisdom, and how do we find wisdom? By the act of God coming to us in Jesus. Jeremiah 13, verse 11. There's one of those kind of nuggets in the middle of Jeremiah where he outlines the plan that God always had. He says, As a belt clings to a man, so I made you to cling to me he says i a belt you put on a belt and it's tight around your waist it it, it becomes part of part of you. you you don't move around without the belt and and the lord is saying as a belt clings to a man or a woman he said i made you i made you <laughs> you're fashioned I made you to cling to me. That is, you and I would be bound together like a belt is to a man or a woman. He's talking about a covenant oneness. That's what you were created for. That's what he desires. He's pro you for that purpose. Okay, he says, I made you so you would cling to me, that they, that's you and I, might be for me, that is his saying, that's what I want. See, the, the gospel is not just simply that you're a poor lost sinner and God's going to come and save you. That's an element of that. But before it was that, God says, you're mine. I want you, and I want you to be in covenant oneness with me, for me. You say, I'm seeking the Lord. Hey, do you realize God seeks you infinitely more than you've ever dreamed that it means to seek? That they might be, for me, a people a name for praise and for glory. God says, I want to put my glory into you. It's my plan. Isaiah 62, verse 3, says much the same thing in different way. But again, very vivid language, very picture language. He says, you, you, will be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. He says, you, you, you will be the crown of God. You will be a person of, of beauty because the glory of God, his love is in you. You will no longer be forsaken. You will no longer be desolate. Now you are called, this is your name, my delight is in her. And then he says, married, because 
The Lord delights in you. He rejoices over you as a groom rejoices over his bride. That's the truth. That's If that isn't the glory of God being seen in us, do you, do you understand what I mean? The glory of God is fully revealed in the way He loves you. I, I look at that. God, God loves me like this. And I look at Him and say, he, His love is glorious. His love is beyond words. But then I realized he put that love into me. It was not just something sort of toward me that he had love toward me. He put his love into me, Romans 5 and 5 says. It's poured out like a great artesian well. It's poured into our hearts. So that now we might love one another even as he has loved us. And you see the glory of God toward us. The glory of God in us. That's who we are. By grace, because Jesus has brought us there, because the Holy Spirit is actualizing that. And the glory of God through our hands and our lips in a million, million, million ways. Little ways, little looks, little acts, little words. But His glory shines. This is your identity. That is, this is who you are. Now, I want you to hear me very carefully. This is your identity. Do you understand that? I told you, this is who you are. This is who you are, not because you worked at it, but because this is God's determination before you were born. This is God's determination throughout history to achieve this. And he did it in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is in you the guarantee of this being the truth. That's your identity. That's who you are. By God's determination. This is who you are in this micro moment in which you listen to me. When you understand your isness, when you know your identity, this is who I am, behavior will flow from this. Your identity is not your behavior. You may be living very far less than who you really are. Identity comes first. This is who you are. Out of that will come behavior. Out of that will come many decisions. Many life changes. Much excitement. But you've got to get it straight. Who you are you are you originate in God through Jesus you originate in the glory of God and now the glory of God in you but you're not a robot this is what he has done and the light is now dawning in you you see there's something resonating in you that's the Holy Spirit saying that's it that's it Holy Spirit, this is just an aside, but it's important, I guess, that, that the Holy Spirit is the, well, I've actually called him the shy member of the Trinity. Maybe that's not 
best theology, but the Holy Spirit hides himself. So Jesus glorifies the Father. So I know who the Father is looking at Jesus. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. So I know Jesus. Who glorifies the Holy Spirit? Nobody. The Holy Spirit, almost anonymous. The Holy Spirit, hard to put your finger on. So that he hides in us. And we, we think it's us, but it's he. He, he gets inside our core, and that's what you're here. He's saying, that's it, that's it, that's who you are. And therefore, I, I respond. And that's where all this happens. God's limitless giving, and my response in the light of the Holy Spirit saying that's true. And... I live, I live, yet not I, it's Christ who lives in me. I discover my true self in the person of Jesus. He's drawn me into himself. I found walking in the wisdom of being the image of God because I'm joined to him who is the image of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory, you say. You, it says in Ephesians, that you are the dwelling of God through the Spirit. It says in Corinthians that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says again in Ephesians, you are filled with all the fullness of God, Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Colossians says you are complete in Him. Jesus said... The last night before he went to the cross, he he said, I give you my glory, I in you and you in me. No wonder he said, did he not? Speaking of you, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the radiance of the glory of God. You have been called, you see, out of darkness into his glorious light. And John says in his first letter, walk in the light as he is in the light. This radiance, this glory. Paul in Corinthians is talking about the glory of the law. And he said there's a glory there. It was the word of God that that showed a life that the pagan world couldn't imagine. It had his glory, so much so that the face of Moses did shine for a while, but he had to put a curtain over it so that the people wouldn't see that it was a fading glory. They wouldn't be disappointed. Had his glory. But he says, you, in coming to Jesus, have come to the final, the absolute glory of God in human. And he says, you are changed from the glory of do-it-yourself law, whatever glory that was, but you are changed into the glory of God here and now. David said, did he not? Awake! Read that right in that psalm. That's where we began. Awake. Awake, my glory. 
And he says, I'll grab a guitar, awake the harp and the light. I will awaken the dawn, I will dance and sing. My glory, which is his glory in me, will now resonate with his glory, and we will dance and sing together. Awake. Wake up, wake up, he's wake up. No, this is your identity. This is who you are. This same David wrote in Psalm number 3. It was written at a very tough time. His own son, Absalom, was trying to kill him. And David was a fugitive in the wilderness. And in that time, and of course the people had gone to Absalom because Absalom was young and handsome and... um, David was old now, at least in the people's mind. And, and, and so he says in the Psalm number 3, So many there are who say to my soul, they speak to my, my very core. He, he says, they, they speak to my soul. There's no hope for you in God. You're done, old man. You're done. You're finished. And then he says, But! You are my glory, the lifter of my head. They'd rejected him, they'd shamed him. He'd had to leave behind all the trappings of power and glory, the money and everything was all left back there in Jerusalem and he's fleeing a fugitive in the wilderness. And they say he's lost everything, he's a dumb finished. He says, maybe all that's true, but you are the only glory I've really ever had. You are my glory. So he said, awake to that. Awake. My glory is you. You are my glory in me. It doesn't matter what's happening here, what's happening there, what I'm losing here, and what people say over there. That really doesn't matter because the constant is that you are my glory. Huh. Awake. He said, awake, open your eyes from silly dreams. You've been sleeping in illusions, sleeping in the lies that religion and law have spewed out in nightmares of the night. Wake up, wake up, see who you really are, see reality. Walk away from the shame that religion puts on you. Walk away from all the limitations that society and ancestors have put upon you. Wake up! Right now, wake up to see who you really are. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm shaking your soul right now. Wake up! Wake up! And realize, through grace that comes to us in Jesus by his shed blood by his resurrection by his carrying you to the Father, by his giving you the Holy Spirit to be his very self in you awake your glory shake off your old self, it doesn't belong to you it was carried to the cross in Jesus Send out orders to all your five senses. You've got to fall in line now to the truth of who you truly are. And then I knew, surely comes up at about this point, old religious humility. 
They say, well, you see, I, I'm really not worthy. I, I'm, I'm just a, a little insignificant person. That's not humility. That is stinking religious pride. That is the shame of religion. Humility isn't an eternal put-down. Religion isn't despising yourself and thinking God's pleased with you as you grovel like a worm. No, that's religion. The good news that came in Jesus. This is humility. Humility is declaring who God says you are. And he says all that you are in and because of Jesus. No, when you say that I'm a worthless, no, no good, now that's an answer to Satan who says, Has God said? Did he say you were all this good grief? Look at you, I don't think so. Hey, do you know Satan even tried that on Jesus? The Father said from the heavens, You are my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And six weeks later, Satan came and says, Well... You know you haven't eaten for six weeks. You, you look like a scarecrow. You're starving hungry. You're the son of God. <laughs> okay, you say so. You say so. I, if you're the son of God, do something. Let your behavior prove to you that you're the son of God. Let your behavior prove your identity. Turn these stones into bread. Come on, do a, do a trick for us, and you'll, you'll be fed in the doing. Jesus sent him packing with the words that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That is, he says, my identity, who I am, comes from the mouth of my Father, not from some behavior that I do. My behavior flows from who I am. My behavior does not prove who I am. I don't go to behavior. I am who I am because my Father said so. And that same Father said the same of you. You are his beloved child, and he has placed his glory in you because that's the kind of God he is. Awaken the dawn. Step out into a new life. This new life is utterly different to everything you've ever known in religion. I, I like, I, I... <laughs> I saw a cat the other day in a house. It was one of those house cats, you know, that moved from the sofa to get its food before it went back to the sofa. That was its life, house cat. And then the back door was left open, and the house cat stood at that open door looking out at a vast world that it had never dreamed existed and you could almost see the consternation in its face didn't know what to do where do i where do i what what do i do with this it reminded me of so many believers who have spent their life to date within the the imprisonment of religion 
and, and now like a house cat at an open door they is it possible is there a world beyond this oh yeah <laughs> yes there is and it is in this moment so wake up wake up and don't stand at the door in this moment not in some moment of yesterday when you had glimpses of truth and you've immortalized them and says well you know 20 years ago 40 years ago no now in this moment now and not tomorrow when you get your act together you begin with your identity and in your identity discover that Christ is your life well that that's about it there's a verse in Psalm 16:9, and I'll close with that he said I have set the Lord continuously before me set fixed he said there's distractions here distractions there voices there I've set the Lord continuously before me because he is at my right hand I will not be shaken which is an expression in the Hebrew language shake uh, I will not be shaken it means I will not be anxiety ridden to be shaken in the Hebrew means anxiety that is I, I will not be anxious over life for I am the one who lives my life in union with Father and Son and Holy Spirit I can't be shaken I will not be shaken by religious anxiety that is forever trying to put me in a state of fear as to my position my position my status my identity is in Jesus Christ as sure as his resurrection I don't look at my behavior and say is it enough neither here nor there it's who you are in Christ out of that will flow your behavior therefore he says my heart is glad I tapped into joy for I've tapped into wisdom itself and my glory rejoices he says glory answers to glory deep calls to deep he's in me I'm in him and out of that comes a joy unspeakable and full of glory and now the blessing of God who is almighty love the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit may his glory be all around you and under you over you and in you and may you know by the Spirit's tutelage that Christ is your life. So I bless you into this newness of life that is in Christ Jesus. That is the way it is.